Welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Wednesday night as I am recording this following the Denver Nuggets win over the Indiana Pacers' final score, 125-118. And boy, howdy. Uh, my gosh, this is just... It's just one of those games, right? Like, it's going to be one of those that you remember, despite the fact that it was a win, despite the fact that Denver won by seven on the road. And look, that's really all that matters in the end, right? That they won by seven. And look, it took care of business. It was very difficult. It should have been very easy. And initially, it was very easy. The Nuggets won the first and the fourth quarter. They took care of business when it mattered. And now they're going to go back on a plane and hopefully take things more seriously when they get off said plane. It was frustrating. This was a frustrating game to watch for a number of reasons, particularly because you could see the talent level, the disparity, uh, and everything that should have factored into this being a 50-point blowout. Obviously, you don't necessarily hold those kinds of leads all the time. But good lord, man. Like, how is this going to continue to happen to this Nuggets team that has not proven a damn thing outside of the fact that they are slightly better than bad teams? And I'm going to talk about this more in the third segment. I just wanted to get that out of the way because, look, there's there's just a lot to be concerned about heading into a playoff series for all but one person. And that one person is Nikola Jokic, who absolutely carried the day and needed one person to give him some help, and Bones Highland gave it to him to close. So we're going to talk about the starters in the first segment. We're going to talk about the bench in the second segment. And then we'll talk about a variety of things, including this being board of success stigma that the Nuggets now have, uh, despite the fact that they should not be. But let's talk about the starters, and in particular, Nikola Jokic, because he started off this game just on one, absolutely on one, killing everybody in front of him. I think he had like 12 points, six rebounds, four assists, two steals, and a block in one quarter. And the Nuggets were up at that, like he was a plus 22 at that point. And he finished the game at plus 11. So obviously the rest of the game didn't go particularly as well, but he was a plus 22 in a quarter. And he was just unstoppable. Goga Patazi had nothing for him. Anytime anybody else got switched onto him, it was just barbecue chicken. And he did a little bit of everything, right? He got a block on Batazzi on an offensive rebound. He got a couple steals where he picked off a couple passes, deflected a couple passes, rebound the ball like a madman, created some open shots for other people. And then he went six of six in the quarter. Six of six for 12 points. Now, he had 12 points, and the Nuggets were up by 22. He still scored another 25 in the next three quarters to get to 37 points, 13 rebounds, 9 assists, went 15 of 19 from the field, 7 of 8 from the free throw line, had the two steals and a block. He did have seven turnovers, and we're going to talk about that in just a little bit here, but 25 points in the other three quarters after putting up the stat line that he did. The Nuggets needed absolutely all of it because he, like, they, they just could not do anything around him for much of this game. And 
I know that some of the lines look okay, some of the the plus minuses look okay, but there was just a drastic, drastic uh, lack of energy and execution around him for much of this game. It felt like he took his foot off the gas in in, uh, quarters two and three, decided that he wanted to let other guys try to get involved in the action, and lo and behold, it went to hell. Once again, this is just the story of the Nuggets, right? Like every time they build up this half, the, the lead at halftime or a lead in the first quarter or anything like that, Jokic is at the center of it all. He's always the guy in the very middle who does everything for the team. They play through him. They play around him. They do some good things on both ends of the floor. And then the moment... You start looking for your own offense. You start driving to a, into a, a brick wall and then losing the ball. You start getting ruffled by the opposing team. It all sort of goes to shit. But it was good that Jokic was there and that he was able to stabilize things. The seven turnovers are what they are. A few of them, I think, were overpassing. He should have taken 25 shots tonight. Because everything around him was a complete tire fire. No doubt in my mind he should have taken 25 shots. He could have put up 50 if he wanted to. I mean, that kind of shows for a lot of these recent games, right? Like, he's been killing people. Absolutely killing people when he puts his mind to it. But he likes to pass. He, He wants to get other people involved. And for the team to be successful in the playoffs, they need everybody to be playing well. And the only way they're going to get there is if they start playing well in the regular season. So I get why he's not like why he's overpassing. But teams are baiting him into that. They know that he wants to pass, despite the fact that he's this good of a scorer. So I do think that that's something that I will be watching for going forward, because Denver just needs that extra gear from him. Sometimes he needs to be forcing the hard double. Not just the half-hearted double, the try to play the passing lanes kind of double where he just assumes that they're going to collapse on him and then they don't. He needs to wait until that double actually comes, in my opinion, or else he's got to be looking to score pretty much every single time. Because right now, I'm just, I have so little confidence in general in the decision-making around him that the decision-making has to be simplified, in my opinion, because right now it sort of feels like things get complicated. And look, Denver put up a 131 offensive rating tonight. This may seem like an overreaction, but they also had 19 turnovers. They shot 62% from the field, 43% from three, 93% from the line. Good God. Some of that was good stuff from the bench, and we'll get to them in the second segment, but I do think that there's just a lot of weird stuff going on with the other starters on the offensive end. And now let's get to the defensive end. Will Barton got killed by Buddy Heald on a number of occasions. Monte Morris was bodied, and and Will Barton was both bodied by Terry Taylor uh, on the offensive glass. Aaron Gordon, same thing. Terry Taylor had eight offensive rebounds tonight. He had 18 points on 12 shots. He is not that good of a basketball player. 
but he is a hard hustler. And he outworked the entire Nuggets starting unit, including Jokic, although Jokic has just a million other responsibilities. So you look for other guys to step up at times. You look for guys to kind of take on some sort of responsibility here. And it wasn't because of Jokic that Indiana scored 118. Far from it. He held Goga Batadze. Like, Goga had 17 points, but he shot 5 of 14 from the field. He also had three turnovers, and a lot of that was because of the defense that Jokic played. Justin Anderson getting 13 points, Tyrese Halliburton getting 15 on 12, Terry Taylor, Buddy Heald. It certainly felt like Denver let those guys get going because they were imprecise on the defensive end. They had the turnovers on the offensive end. And it just wasn't enough focus for a group that seems like it should be competing for something. Gordon was fine. He had two threes. I give him credit for that. I think that his actual numbers were pretty good. And I honestly think that of of each of the other starters, he was the best one. He was out-muscled the least of the others. Was a plus 11 tonight. Two turnovers, but he had 10 points, eight rebounds, four assists, two of four from three. Barton had the best offensive night of the other guys. 18 points on 13 shots. Five assists, only two turnovers. But he is the guy, and I think Monte Morris actually matches him tonight. Barton's the guy, along with Morris, that is the most culpable defensively. Those two guys have been so bad on the defensive end over the course of these last few games that it's kind of gone under the radar. A lot of people will look to Jokic where he has to rotate over and then his guy gets the opportunity, uh, either the uh, lay-in or the offensive rebound put back or something like that. But Jokic is always having to come over because those guys are always trailing. And sometimes it's the design of the defense to do that. But the design of the defense is not to give so much room to the ball handler with those guards that the center has to then rotate over and do everything, cover the two-on-one. Morris and Barton have been giving two-on-ones for most of the year, pretty much all year in case of Barton. And there is no doubt in my mind that Aaron Gordon will be put on the opposing team's best scorer and playmaker because those guys can't do anything about it, because there's just no resistance at all. It's the reason why Austin Rivers is in the game on a consistent basis to close because the Nuggets can't trust their starting guards. And that's frustrating against the Indiana Pacers. That is frustrating. So I'm a little bit worried. I'm a little bit worried about the championship habits. I'll talk about that in the third segment as well. Uh, really quick, Monte Morris, 11 points, four assists, two turnovers. The two turnovers were really bad, too. These were pretty ugly ones. Or he just kind of got lost and made some bad decisions, decisions that he very rarely makes. Um, Jeff Green made a really ugly pass. Oh, no, that wasn't him. 
Um, but Jeff Green was missing shots again tonight. As the power forward, only grabbed two rebounds in 21 minutes. There's a reason why he's not closing these games. It's because he's a bystander. While Denver's getting killed on the offensive glass, they gave up 18 offensive rebounds tonight. And I don't know if Jeff Green, like Jeff Green grabbed one of them. It's just frustrating. It's it's the least amount of effort to get by. And that's going to burn Denver at some point, whether it's on Friday, whether it's in a game against the Lakers on Sunday, whether it's against the plucky Spurs or a Memphis Grizzlies team that really doesn't care who they roll out there. They're going to provide a really strong effort no matter what. Denver starters are going to get burned if they continue to have Jokic do every single thing. I understand if you're looking to help him get some numbers for the MVP case. You let him get some high point totals. Let him get some high rebounding totals. But you still got to box out. You still got to look to put a body on somebody. You still got to look to set up other people, have precise defensive rotations, and try to build towards a strong playoff run. I'm very worried that the starters are not doing that. And I'm worried that they don't have the physical capacity to be able to do that at a high level. That's pretty disappointing. This is a win. The Nuggets won this game, and I can't believe that I'm hammering on them this hard. It's frustrating. It's it's a frustrating thing for sure. Look, they will be better. They rise to the occasion on more, more cases than they don't. But I do think that it is proper time to start being concerned about their actual care level in these games. You go up 43 to 15 against the Indiana Pacers in the first quarter, and then you clock out. And you clock back in when you realize, oh crap, they tied the game in the third or fourth quarter. It's just pretty disappointing. Let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to discuss the bench unit and a positive that came from this game once again. We'll be right back. Before we get back to the pod, I want to tell everybody about DraftKings Sportsbook. College basketball fans, the final four is set. Join in on the action on the court during the biggest tournament of the year with DraftKings Sportsbook. Turn your team's victory into your own big win where new customers can bet just $5 on any of the four teams to win. Get $200 in free bets if they do. It's that simple. If they win, you win. DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also bet on college hoops with same-game parlays where you combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So make sure to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code MHS. Bet $5 on any college hoops team. Get $200 in free bets if they do. If they win, you win. With promo code MHS, only a DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit, restrictions apply, see DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700.
back at it. Pickaxe and roll. Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much for tuning in. Really appreciate all the love and support as always. I know that on a win like tonight, it's it's very odd to be criticizing as often as it is. Like Denver moved up into the five seed. This should be a, a moment to celebrate. But this is one of the reasons why the vibes have been so ugly for a lot of the year. It's because Denver, they sort of find a way to detract from the positive wins. I don't remember the last time the Nuggets had a complete performance against a good team. Hell, against a bad team. Like, I'd love to know, is there one? I think against the Washington Wizards, that seems like a good one. Okay, throw out the Washington Wizards game where they didn't have Bradley Beal, where they didn't have, or they did have Chris Porzingis, but that didn't freaking matter. Um, there's just not a lot of other examples throughout the season of Denver having a complete game, which is what you want to see heading into the playoffs. You want to see players be precise. And I think. The biggest reason why this game was as close as it was was because when the bench entered the game, they were not ready to go. Denver once again, Jamichael Green's out, Faku Campazo, Marcus Howard, they're on the pine. So Denver goes with a bench lineup of Bones Highland, Bryn Forbes, Austin Rivers, Davon Reed, DeMarcus Cousins. And you look at that group, you look at what they're doing. And there's automatically some question marks. But the biggest one that ultimately came from that was when Jalen Smith, who's about 6'11", and Gogo Batazi, who rotated in with the second unit, who's about 6'11", 7 foot, but a big dude. When those guys were out there on the court, Davon Reed was having to defend one of them. And there were a couple of possessions where he was trying to be at the rim, trying to protect and wall off, and it just didn't really matter against a guy like Jalen Smith. But that wasn't really the only thing. Austin Rivers let a couple blowbys go by him. He let a couple of opportunities to D up, kind of squeak right by and left uh, left some uncontested layups off the ta- or on the table for the opposing team. I think it was Kiefer Sykes, who was there, maybe Dwayne Washington. Davon Reed closes out short on a defender who hits a three or on an offensive player who hits a three. And then Bryn Forbes gets switched on to somebody bigger than him, can't do anything about it. And Bones Highland, despite the fact that he was setting up the table for, for DeMarcus Cousins pretty well, not necessarily running the show as best as he probably could, takes a couple of weird shots at various points. And... I think like Denver was a minus six, minus eight, somewhere around there with that bench unit when Michael Malone pulled them. And it goes back to Will Barton and Aaron Gordon and guys like that. Brent Forbes only plays six minutes on the night. And you just sort of got the sense that Denver was already letting Indiana back into the game, despite the fact that they're starting or they're playing a lineup. That features Kiefer Sykes, Dwayne Washington, Lance Stevenson, and Jalen Smith. And there are other guys that rotate in there, like Halliburton and Heald are very good. Batazzi's a big body that they'd have to deal with, things like that. But 
For the most part, Denver should have been able to control the game with their bench unit, and they didn't. And there's a variety of reasons why that was. I do think the dribble penetration was an issue. I think the turnovers were a little bit of an issue, though it wasn't as strong as maybe some other reasons. But the biggest thing is that the bench just did not guard. They did not sit down and guard, whether it was... Bones Highland wasn't really the guy who they went after either. It was like he had a couple of bad rotations. He had a couple of bad closeouts, things like that throughout the game. But for the most part, he was giving strong effort for the entire time. I think that Austin Rivers was sneaky bad tonight, despite the fact that you trust him later in games to be better, and he would have been. But DeMarcus Cousins, I think his defense is not great in general. I think that there were some opportunities for Indiana to be even better against him when he was out of position. He fouled a couple of times where he definitely shouldn't have. Davon Reed, a couple of things that he could not do physically against the taller players. And then Bryn Forbes gets benched again after six minutes. He did not deserve to be out there despite the fact that he hit his only three-point shot. So Denver has to go away from them, and then they rotate in Will Barton in place of Bryn Forbes in the second half of the game. But late in that third quarter, early in the fourth quarter, things start to get chippy between both sides. And it's a pretty close game. It's it's a tie game, basically. And then Austin Rivers and Lance Stevenson start getting into it because Lance Stevenson is doing Lance things where he's pulling the antics. He's trying to get players off of their game, get under their skin, etc. And this was where Tony Brothers sort of made his first major appearance. Um, I forgot that Nikola Jokic picked up a technical tonight. It wasn't by Tony Brothers. I don't want to give Tony that much credit. Uh, Jokic screamed about not getting a call and then was teed up vociferously. Uh, But Austin Rivers and Lance Stevenson got into it in the early fourth quarter, and they both got double technicals at that point. And then a couple plays later, Austin Rivers has the ball at the top of the key with Lance Stevenson getting up into his grill. Austin Rivers goes triple threat, kind of like fakes throwing an elbow, but not really. Like it, it wasn't It wasn't anything major. And Lance Stevenson then opines to Tony Brothers, who's standing right there. What, he can't do that? He's not allowed to do that. What is he doing? And Tony Brothers, (coughs) excuse me, Tony Brothers stops the game, retroactively calls Austin Rivers for a technical foul, I think for a malicious act, and then was the only guy to review the call when he did. And he was the only guy to review it and threw Austin Rivers out of the game by giving him that technical foul because he had already picked up another one. And Austin Rivers was not allowed to come back and play. And it was a very odd sequence, but very Tony Brothers-esque where didn't really get any uh, contradiction from his other officials. He just kind of went off the wall and made a call. Everybody made fun of it. Austin Rivers postgame tweeted about it, said he'd never been tweet he'd never been thrown out for anything that's stupid, basically. He'll probably get fined by the league. But I do think that Tony Brothers deserves the criticism. This was stupid. 
It was a very stupid call to make in a game that was close. You do not like, like you just saw what happened between those two guys. Nothing actually happened in there. You can see that Lance Stevenson is trying to bait him and you got baited. Like Tony Brothers, you are the clown. That is basically what we're doing here. And so the momentum clearly went to Indiana at that point. But soon after, Nikola Jokic comes back in, Aaron Gordon comes back in, Monte Morris comes back in, and Denver goes with a closing lineup of Monte, Bones, Barton, Gordon, and Jokic. Green gets benched. And it was very interesting to see them go with this group. And it was definitely the right call because Bones had started to get going, hit a shot late at the end of the third quarter. But then he goes off and continues to play well with Jokic around the other guys, getting out in transition, doing some other good things. And he gets 20 points, 7 assists, 4 rebounds on 8 of 14 from the field, 2 of 7 from 3, 2 of 2 from the line. One steal, one block was a plus 10 in this game, despite being a part of a bench unit that everybody else other than Austin Rivers was a minus. So Bones was out there and he was doing some good things with the other starters. And it was great to see, right? Like you needed somebody to step up and be coherent and be capable next to Nikola Jokic. And there were some good possessions from Will. Not a lot of good ones, but some a good enough possessions from Will. He had a good, good possession or two from Monte. But a lot of it was Bones. A lot of it was Bones making the right pass, making the right plays, taking shots when they came to him. And he wasn't getting abused on the defensive end in the way that other guys were. He had a foul here or there, but it really was a good sign that he was a part of the good process and the good result in this closing lineup that helped Denver win this game. Now, against better teams, can Denver get away with playing Monte, Bones, and Barton in the backcourt? No, that is not going to be a thing that happens. And if that does happen, and Denver's playing against, let's say, Dallas in the first round, it's going to be a long game. It's going to be a long, long bench stint, and or it's or it's going to be very short. That's probably what's going to happen, because Luca will hunt out every single weakness and try to get Aaron Gordon screened off of him, and then he'll go one on one against a worst defender. But it was nice to see. Bones fit in in the clutch time group, make some positive plays, be the the energy that Nikola Jokic needed because it was clear that he wasn't going to get it from anybody else. And so it was nice to see those guys run the two-man game. It's nice to see them play off of each other pretty well. And Bones came up with some good hustle plays and some good physicality plays as well. It wasn't just the flash and the sizzle. There was some real substance there too. So that's that's really strong, really good to see from him. Um, not a lot of other things to talk about with the bench. I, I probably did DeMarcus Cousins a little dirty here, underselling his overall offense. 11 points on six shots is really good. He didn't even have any free throws. He was five of six from the field, one of one from three. He turned over the ball three times, and there were a couple offensive fouls in there. 
I just think that he needs to know that he is that good and that physically dominant and be able to access that just a little bit more in situations where it's either Batazi on him or it's Jalen Smith or like there's just there should be no reason, right? Like there should be no reason why Cousins can't dominate in those minutes, but he was a minus four in part because he just wasn't as impactful as he probably should have been. So I don't know. We're going to have to see. I'm a little bit concerned about the bench lineup too. I think we saw the we saw how much they missed Jamichael Green once again. Two offensive rebounds from that group tonight, one by Austin or one by Bones, one by Davon. Only eight offensive rebounds for Denver tonight anyway. Usually they get a little bit more than that. So I'm a little bit concerned without Jamichael Green. I hope that he gets healthy. I hope that he gets better. He has proven himself as a kind of a grinder type that he needs to be out there in some circumstances. If I were Denver, I would seriously consider a bench lineup that includes Bones Highland, Austin Rivers, Davon Reed, Jamichael Green, and DeMarcus Cousins going forward. Because I do think that they need that size, that physicality, and that athleticism at those other other spots. But I also think that they need Davon Reed to be a shooter. They need him to space the floor. Because Jermichael Green's not going to do that. And you can't just go with Bryn Forbes because that will still compromise some of the things defensively. So... It's tough. Like, Davon's probably the better fit for the bench unit, but he's also on a two-way contract, so you don't necessarily want to overplay him because you're not going to have access to him in the playoffs. Because of that, Denver's going to have to figure out some other options. And would it be better for them if Davon was on a full-time contract? Yes. Would they go over the tax if they did it? Yes. So that's one of the reasons why we're not seeing that. Would it be best if Jamal Murray and Michael Porter came back and that we didn't have to have this conversation? Absolutely. That would be fantastic. Say la vie. Uh, we'll see if those guys ultimately make their way back. It seems like they're still trying. But either way, uh, good, good on Bones for being the guy that really carried the day down the stretch for Denver outside of Jokic. He is working his way into Malone's circle of trust, the inner circle of trust in a lot of ways. I also think that he's working his way into an all-rookie spot where I kind of looked at the all-rookie teams today, just after the game, seeing who would get votes, who would get nominations, who deserves it, who doesn't. Right now, I see seven guys that should probably be penciled in as locks. And then there's another guy in Jalen Green who probably will get in just because he's a second round pick or second overall pick. And he's that flashy scorer type that doesn't do anything of actual value and substance, but is still on the court and racking up stats and things like that. So he'll probably still get the nomination. But outside of him, I think that Bones has a legitimate chance to get on an all-rookie team. I think he's been one of the more valuable players on the Nuggets this year. I think you can make a case that given that they're, other than Jermichael Green, this is the team that they've had, you could make a case that Bones Highland is their sixth most valuable player. 
I think I'd put him seventh behind Rivers because of what Rivers can do and kind of fit into. But you can make an absolute case that Bones has been their sixth most valuable guy behind the five starters. And when you talk about that on a playoff team, on a team that is fifth in the in the Western Conference right now, at least temporarily, that says a lot to me. So hopefully he gets that credit. Hopefully voters take a look at that and, and see what he's doing, not just from a flashy uh, substance, but also just from a actually substantial impact perspective. Because he deserves that. He he has been that impactful for the Nuggets. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to talk about why the Nuggets get bored of success while also giving a playoff standings update. We'll be right back. All right, back here, Pickaxe and Roll. Thank you so much for tuning in. Final segment on this one. Really quick before we get into uh, the ending thing here, the standings update on tonight. Golden State, they're currently playing right now. They're in the second half against Phoenix. I assume the Phoenix is going to win that game. But as of right now, Golden State is 48-28. and 28. Dallas is 48-29. and 29. Those two teams are in the three and four seeds. So Golden State, if they lose tonight, they will be down to four. If they win, they will stay at three. Denver jumps up to the five seed at 46 and 31. Utah's at 45 and 31. So they have an extra game to make it up. And if they do, then Utah will jump up to the five seed once again because they have the tiebreaker over Denver. But the real news here is that Toronto beats Minnesota badly and Minnesota drops to 43 and 34. So Denver at the 5 seed currently 46 and 31. Minnesota 7 seed 43 and 34. The Nuggets magic number to clinch a playoff spot is at 3 after this Minnesota loss. That is a really, really, really big deal. Friday's game against the Minnesota Timberwolves counts for two points in that magic number. So you've got a magic number of three that could drop to one if Denver wins, which means Denver needs two more wins to clinch a playoff spot. That is a big deal. They've taken care of business, and the T-Wolves have kind of folded over the course of this tough schedule. Now, Denver still needs to take care of business, and I have very little confidence that they will actually do that, but they could prove me wrong. And if they do prove me wrong, then more power to them, because then they can rest, they can relax, they can kind of approach these games how they need to. They don't necessarily need a win in the final three games of the year. And they can rest guys. They can maybe bring back guys, try to get some playing time, get people ready for the playoffs. 
and really start figuring out how to handle the end of the regular season, whether that's from a standings perspective or from a needing to play the right way perspective. But I got to say, now let's get to the main part of this now. Michael Malone said that he thinks that the Nuggets possibly get bored of success when they go up in the first quarter, when they have these big leads, and when they get slack and then lose these leads in the subsequent moments, in the subsequent quarters, because they don't play the same way after building those leads. Like I mentioned in the first segment, Jokic, you play through him, you do everything through him for a while. He's successful, everybody's successful, everybody gets their bread. And then you start deviating, and you start doing some other stuff, because now you want to see if other people can expand their other parts of their games. An Aaron Gordon post-up or a drive, a Will Barton iso, a Will Barton pick and roll where he tries to drive into the paint and get some contact that he doesn't get. Jeff Green slashing to the paint for a two-pointer where he's like having a leaning left-handed shot moving to his left on the right side of the rim, and it's just not a good, efficient shot to be looking for. You get a lot of these things, and you get a lot of bad championship habits from the Nuggets over the course of this entire season, by the way. I've been on this since the jump. I've been on this since we started to know that Jamal Murray was out, that Michael Porter was out. It's all been on Jokic. And you would want other players to sort of take that responsibility on that if if you're not doing the points, rebounds, and assisting or whatever, then at least you're doing some other stuff, like trying to close out properly like making sure the defensive rotations are crisp, like finding the most efficient shot on the offensive end every single time, not settling for a weak pull-up attempt, or driving into a crowd, or stuff like that. Denver has built no championship habits this year. Throughout the season, they've always been so worried. First, it was about the bench. First, it was about trying to figure those things out. Initially, they figured things out with Jeff Green in place of Michael Porter Jr. because he was then able to reprise that physical role. Not necessarily all the volume and efficiency that Porter was providing, but you had a six foot eight defender who was smart, could do a variety of different things on the offensive end, and cut efficiently. That was all that Jokic needed for a time. But now, as teams look to game plan for the Nuggets, As they start to figure out their strengths and weaknesses around a Jokic offense, you have a lot of scenarios where Denver's looking at, okay, so this one thing didn't work. What else can we go to? What else can we look to? What are some other championship habits that we've built? I can't really look to anything. Denver's biggest championship habit right now is Nikola Jokic is the best player in the world. And I honestly think that the other, the two guys, the two guys that I look to and think, okay, these guys have figured some things out. They know what they're doing. 
When you give them the ball, they are perfectly reasonably fine. Are Monte Morris and Bones Highland? That feels weird. That feels not normal for a Nuggets team that needs Jamal Murray, that put a lot of stock into Will Barton, that has wanted Michael Porter Jr., that doesn't have him, that gave a lot of money to Aaron Gordon to do a variety of things. Aaron Gordon is constantly at his best when he's aggressive, but a lot of that isn't necessarily when he's creating the shots himself. It's when he's ducking into the lane. It's when he's cutting. It's when he's moving off ball and kind of riffing off of what Jokic does. When he starts to do too many things as a ball handler, that's when he gets in trouble. When Will Barton starts doing too many things as a ball handler, that's when he gets in trouble. All of this to kind of say, I don't know whether to trust Denver in the playoffs or not. I think the answer is no. And I think the answer is actually a pretty resounding no if a team has a physical match and a defensive scheme that can take away from what Jokic does so well. There are some teams that don't have that. But I think there are some teams that do. So, I'm looking at Denver over the course of these next five games that they have. I'm looking at their turnover counts. I'm looking at how they're opening and closing quarters, how they're coming out of timeouts, what their rotations are looking like on defense, to see if they're actually serious about this, to see if they're bored of success, when in reality, there's no reason that they should be. What have the Nuggets done? to deserve being bored of success. They've been to a conference finals, but that was with Jamal Murray and Paul Millsap and Gary Harris and Torrey Craig and Jeremy Grant and Michael Porter Jr. And of course, Nikola Jokic. What has this group done this year that has deserved credit as a team. I said that I don't think that they've had a complete game against a playoff opponent. I can't think of one. If somebody, like I haven't looked at this, I haven't gone back through the the game logs to check. Is the only one against Phoenix on opening night? Is that the only one that we can really think of here? It's the only one that I can think of off the top of my head. They got swept by Memphis. They got swept by Utah. They got swept by Boston. Maybe Milwaukee. Milwaukee feels like a good one. Milwaukee in the middle of the season. That was the first game, by the way, that Bones was the full-time backup point guard. That's interesting. But other than those games, I can't really think of a game where, yeah, Denver really dominated, really had a complete 20-plus win against a playoff team, and really looked like they deserve to be there. That's a bad sign to me. It's a bad sign for where this team is right now and how super reliant they are on Nikola Jokic to get them through. I think that Nikola Jokic has championship habits. I think that what he's shown throughout the season as a leader, 
as a guy that can put the team on his back at various points, I think he has earned the benefit of the doubt here. I have zero doubt, actually, that he is ready for a playoff run and that he will step up when called upon. But who else is going to join him? Who else is going to fight for those rebounds while also not screwing up the defensive rotations, while also making the shots and making the reads offensively that are needed to be made on a consistent basis? I think Mate is probably one. Bones, maybe. Aaron Gordon, maybe. It's a pretty tough place to be. So hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully we get a nice, complete win against Minnesota on Friday. Hopefully that's something that they can show, that they can put down and say, yes, when we need to be serious, when we need to lock in, we can deliver on this stage. But if Minnesota comes in on Friday night in a playoff environment where Denver should be calling this a must-win game, and if Minnesota comes in and stops them, that's going to look really, really bad. Even if they still win all the other three, three out of the other four games and get to the postseason. I don't know, folks. I think we're going to have to see. We're going to have to figure it out. But the good thing is, is that these things are never linear. There's always some ups and downs. They still got a win tonight against Indiana. And Nikola Jokic was still the best player in the world. Partially because he's had to be. But also the fact that he can get to these levels and carry the team at various points is just so endearing and encouraging for when Denver gets actually healthy. Because there will be other times where he doesn't have to carry the load. And I hope that we can fully experience that at some point or another here relatively soon. That'd be great. That is going to do for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I will be back tomorrow. Going to be podcasting with a Minnesota Timberwolves writer over at Canis Hoopas. And we're going to be talking about the Friday game, the big match for both teams, what it, what it's going to mean, what the results are going to look like. Uh, not the Not the results, what the ramifications are going to look like. And it should be a lot of fun. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Thank you for listening to my rant. Appreciate all the love and support. I'll talk to you guys very soon.